Welcome to the Evidence-Based Therapist, a podcast where we read so you don't have to. This is the first episode, Yes. and our goal for today is to introduce you to both ourselves. Mm -hmm. There are three of us here, Yes. and uh, we want to share with you guys what our vision is for this podcast, why we decided to do it. Another podcast. Another (laughs) podcast, and give you a little bit of insight into how this was formed Mm -hmm. and what our intentions are and what we hope that you experience as you listen to EBT, which we will lovingly refer to this podcast as EBT rather than evidence-based therapist therapist every single time. Over and over. Mm. (laughs) Why we did evidence-based therapist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So to start out with, there are three of us here. I'm Melissa. And I'm Caleb. And I'm Bridger. Uh Uh-huh. And we all work for Beyond Healing Center, and we're based out of Springfield, Missouri, right smack in the middle of the U.S. That's right. um, Which is a great place to be from. And uh, so we wanted to share with you guys a little bit about what Beyond Healing Center is. Yeah. Some of you probably know us from other podcasts and other things that we do because we really like podcasts. Yes. And this is our third one. Yeah. (laughs) I think it would be helpful just to talk about the other podcasts because I think it helps explain why why this this one. one. Right. Why do a third when we already have two? Yeah. But I think let's stay high level real quick about BHC because I think we're doing something that we're transitioning into something that Mm -hmm. I think is always what BHC was going to be but it's been building over time and will continue to build yes and evolve as people continue to come in and collaborate and Mm, grow as a staff which we are Uh and it's really exciting to see but more than just a therapy practice with individual uh, clinicians providing uh, therapy services we are focused on developing community for Mm -hmm. healers of all variety Mm -hmm. Um, because we believe that when we come together we're able to collaborate and encourage and create something that uh, has the power to shift all of culture yeah and particularly the culture of therapists that's right yes Mm -hmm. that's right of both therapist culture so how therapists get together and then how they do their work Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and the experience of what it means to live the lifestyle of being in clinical practice and Mm -hmm. considering ourselves a therapist a healer etc um so the genesis of bhc Mm -hmm. was uh, myself and one other um therapist her name is jen and we started as emdr therapists first and foremost um, we were both trained several years ago and, and that's how you guys met and that's how we met mm. and immediately we fell in love with EMDR and saw the potential of, you know, what it could do and how transformative it was to our work with our clients. Mm. And immediately we both individually decided, well, we need to be trainers mm-hmm. because, uh, I don't know, that's just, just naturally, naturally. It's the calling that <laughs> it comes is the personality. After. Right. I mean, it, it, yes. yeah, it is the personality of both the book. To both of of us, yes, yes, that, you know, we're sitting in the initial training of EMDR thinking, I'm going to train that someday. (laughs) (laughs) And we were right. And so um, we've been on that path and dedicated to that for the last five-ish years of, you know, going through consultation and becoming a consultant and getting certified Mm. and then eventually becoming trainers ourselves. And um, that is something that we've recently started doing on our own and um, learned a ton about, yeah. uh, you know, what it means to be in clinical practice, but then even more than that, how to support other therapists in their work, because part of being a trainer is that you do a lot of consultation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have spent a lot of hours at this point consulting with other therapists, talking to it's them. It's now half of your Yes. It's a huge part of what load. we do, even yeah. more than, you know, seeing actual clients, which we still do and are dedicated to always doing that for obvious reasons. 
Um, but in the work of supporting other therapists and listening to them, listening to their questions and the challenges that they face, it became really apparent that there's a systemic struggle mm. that we have as therapists. And so BHC is uh, really kind of shifted into being dedicated to supporting therapists at all levels of practice. Yeah from brand new baby therapists that are still in grad school mm -hmm. all the way to seasoned clinicians that are really needing um, community and yeah. support and they don't want to feel as alone in their work even though they may, have, may feel a mastery over the work that they're doing they're dedicated to refining their skills and improving their expertise but that also living and practicing in community with other like-minded mm -hmm. therapists because yeah. that is those two things to ongoing me, learning and community are the most buffering things against burnout yeah, that therapists to me, can do that helps explain why you guys decided to do notice that yes notice that was our first podcast yeah um well it wasn't my first podcast i had done a different one and because of that i had the guts to say hey we, we should, should do, do a podcast yeah. um and you know my first one is long on the way of lots of things that don't exist anymore um, in favor of dedicating to notice that, and it has become a huge part of what we do. Yeah, which is an EMDR podcast for therapists. For therapists, yes. very specifically. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Um, which gives you room to be very technical, yes. clinical, yes. Uh, helping and explain different yeah, yes. modalities and different theories mm -hmm. um, that I think uh, a podcast specifically for therapists gives you the room to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and from that, um, what we discovered is, you know, as we kind of gained a listener base and um, started learning about what does it mean to be a therapist and a podcaster and a consultant to other therapists and all of that, uh, strangely, we started having a lot of clients listen to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, these are clients that are going through EMDR or looking for an EMDR therapist or going through the process of healing from their own trauma, and they started listening to our podcast and asking questions, and we realized hey, there's kind of a need here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, what we talk about in Notice That for clinicians is very technical yes, um, and very different than the way that we would present these same concepts to a client that is going through their own healing journey. So that was the birth of the second podcast, which yes. is called Beyond Trauma. And a podcast for clients specifically for clients. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and just the etiology, we've got the one for therapists. Yes. We've got the one for clients. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And that, that has, uh, kind of shaped our work over the last several years. But then we started having a conversation about, well, maybe we need another one. Right. And why? Why did we need another one? And yes. the reason we needed another one is because in that work with consulting with a lot of therapists, there was a specific issue slash mm -hmm. question concern that came up um, almost without fail mm -hmm. for every consultee with every therapist that we talked to. And that is the struggle of really feeling like they have a solid foundation and grounding in where the science is in our field. where And ongoing access to. Yes, but and yeah, where it's yeah. going. Yes, right? exactly. Of being able to keep up with literature in a really meaningful way and feel yeah. supported by the research. So I'm sure you work. told them, here's a reading list that you <clears> need to do. And they all went and did that reading list. And then you had sure. a really great conversation. Sure. Probably like the next week. Yeah, because yeah. all therapists have a tremendous amount of extra, of extra time. time. And they're all yeah. readers, and they all love to get into things that they don't understand. Right. All of us love statistical analysis. Yeah, exactly. You know, the chi-squared method is our jam. My Thank body, you for mentioning it. My body is saying wrong. Wrong? There's thick sarcasm yeah, yes. occurring Lots right now. Lots of sarcasm. Yes. We know that's not true. We know that's not true, partly for everybody. because it, it is a struggle, a yes. very, very practical struggle. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like, you two are sort of the outliers. What do you mean by that? <laughs> what I mean is, 
is that in grad school, oh yeah, that's another little fun tidbit, is that we all met because you two were in grad school together, mm-hmm. and I was your professor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was adjunct it's faculty. Trauma yes. course. Um, and I, you know. Which is the course that kept me in the program, by the way. Well, thank you yes. very much. It was actually yeah. the syllabi. Oh. That was published well, I, before you know, I the course. The I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, yeah, seriously thinking about leaving the program that uh, syllabus came out, and I said, you know what? Hang in there. One more, that's one more yeah. summer class. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and it was yeah. a six-week course. Yeah. Oh wow, it was, it was abbreviated, yeah. abbreviated yes. course. Yes. And you guys listened to me talk second. for five hours straight every yeah. night, or some ridiculous yeah. amount of time. And it was a lot of time. Was never once tired. fatigued. Ever. <laughs> and then never... Caleb and I would go play ping pong and say, "This is hope." Yep, we yeah. have hope because everything else we've been learning. Uh, yeah, we'd we'd go up into the mixed state, the sympathetic and the ventral, and we would <laughs> we would fawn over the, the beauty of what we just heard yeah. and said, "There is a way forward." Yes, uh-huh. and that makes me think of this and this yep. and this. And then yes. we'd go on. So that kind of is in the pieces of the movement why EBT felt so right. Right, mm-hmm. I think to all of us because that's how we met. So why wouldn't we? <laughs> right. Why wouldn't we do that? And we're already having these conversations constantly to some degree. Yeah. This and is it, our community, which yeah. I think yes. that's also what you mean in yes. the outlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You two are the outliers in the sense that whether you are being asked to or not, you have continually sought out and read and digested, integrated and synthesized. Yes. There's a lot of uh, adverbs there. It's true. Um, <laughs> I feel them all. I feel them <laughs> you all. do it. You live them all. Yes. Um, ongoing dedication to research and literature. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that a lot of therapists have, number one, been encouraged to do. Number two, really feel equipped to do. I certainly didn't. Yeah. Um, so I did not come at this from, you know, loving the process yeah. of digesting resources and research. It's not my thing. My, I am incredibly experiential. I much rather learn by talking, which mm. is why the podcasting. Oh, podcast works. <laughs> Because I am a verbal processor and a verbal learner, which means I can digest information on my own, but it really comes alive in an applicable way. Caleb, do you identify as any particular learner, verbal? Um, I would say I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. I have very different visceral experiences. Yeah. I have a sort of like what I just consider like a bloom Mm. affectively Mm -hmm. when I'm reading because my associative memory is just like off the charts yeah 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 same um when i'm listening i think i'm more in my body yeah and so i'll, just I'll it feel in. something that's like that feels like there's so much there mm-hmm. but you won't but i go start i think i go read yeah 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 to right start the i've never really identified as a verbal processor or um, anything like that but i think learning through both um, spoken and written language is um, something that my mind uses kind of like you were saying Caleb, like you, through association mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my mind starts finding synthesis just right. naturally you know through assimilation and accommodation it's just yes. like just culmin- you're just culminating into this grand synthesis that is my brain and for some people, that's disorienting to sit with me, but you guys have made me feel really at home. Oh, so you're welcome. I match that state. Heck yeah. yeah. Well, and I think just speaking explicitly to what the listeners' experience of these conversations will be, that is going to be very obvious, that there is mm. a lot of synthesis and association happening in the moment, which yes. is exactly how we mm-hmm. want it to feel. What we don't want EBT to feel like is a book report. No. Because that's mm. boring. Um, at least and I I've don't listened enjoy to those, those podcasts. <laughs> They're out there. They are out there. Yeah, and, and I think that for people that that 
really does connect with them, I think that that is valuable. But I think what we are hoping to do is have a much more conversational approach to this information yes. yeah. to allow this kind of to for, feel. Go ahead, sorry. To allow that that space for the integration, the synthesis to happen in the moment. Yeah and actually replicate yeah. what we might experience with a client yes and, and the way that work happens with community mm -hmm. like with other therapists like in graduate school caleb I, I know you remember this as well but we would take walks oh yes in between breaks like yep. we would have these long classes and then we'd have these breaks in between uh like sections of a lecture or something and then you and i would step out and if it was cold we'd just walk in the halls but if it was warm we'd go outside mm -hmm. um, and just start talking about what you know, the other was thinking mm -hmm. of as the lecture was going mm -hmm. on or we were talking mm -hmm. about certain yeah. things. And that's what I want this podcast to feel like for people yeah. right. is we're outside of a graduate classroom right now. Processing, processing together. Yeah. together. Yeah. Making yeah. sense of this new information. Yeah. This is what this makes learning me think together. of. What about yes. you? How yes. is this going for you? Yeah. yeah. What and does this bring up in your mind? Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. in uh, line with BHC and also what um, I would encourage, and I think I speak for you guys as well, for listeners who are engaging with this mm. to be open to the idea of having a community around absolutely where multiple people maybe it's in your office or yeah. you you have a network of therapists that you work with mm -hmm. be sort of listening and engaging in that critical conversation together, together. yes that's yes. right because podcast has an interesting intersubjective mm. space yes where it's like we have our our we on this side of the mm -hmm. microphone yeah and and I worry sometimes that listeners don't have their we on the other right. end of the yeah. headphones. Although I would totally invite people to talk to us while oh, while you're listening. Oh, yes. So, Absolutely. So this is actually <laughs> how I have learned to like reading. So for those of you that are not like Bridger and Caleb and you're more like me in the sense of, okay, I read because it's a necessary part of life and there's good information in there. Um, part of how I fixed that problem for myself is imagining that I'm sitting with the author yeah, and I'm right. having a dialogue. And I do that with post-it notes, <laughs> Yes, an excessive use of post-it notes. So mm -hmm. if you're wondering what to do with your personal collection of post-it notes, because I know you have them like I do, um, I highly recommend them being one side of a conversation with a journal article yes. or a book. And you postulate your question and then a couple of pages later they answer it and you go, oh, like, thank oh, you. Thank you. you. I was wondering about that. Mm -hmm. And you can uh, imagine just funnily that they say, no, thank you for asking. Yes. Because I, I was going to get, get there. Yeah. You, yeah, <laughs> I anticipated something I was going to say. That feels so good. Yes, that's right. And so, you know, as you're listening to our conversation, bringing your own awareness and process into this and having a dialogue with us, even though we can't hear or send Sending us emails, we would, I would absolutely, love to actually hear you. yeah, yes, <laughs> and actually much. have that dialogue. Um, but I love your point, Caleb, of of using this as a an opportunity and a way of creating a community for yourself as a listener mm -hmm. um, with other yeah. therapists that you can be processing uh, what we're talking about, which brings us to an important point which is what is the structure of this podcast and what are we going to do on the normal mm -hmm. episodes this is the introductory mm -hmm. episode where we say hi nice to meet you yeah but subsequently it's going to have a very specific structure and feel and yeah. goal to it yeah i think there's one one more point that i want us to talk about which is to that and it's kind of just a nice bridge from that conversation of when you're in a research group or like a reading group or a community group book group mm -hmm. whatever um it it really matters that you have in your mind what the we is mm -hmm. like what it is to be a we um not yeah. just i me bridger comes to this room and i say what i say and then i leave but 
that what I say is dependent on something that what Caleb just brought up made me mm-hmm. think of. Mm-hmm. And then me sharing that starts this now reactive yeah. chain. And then Melissa is able to mm-hmm. kind of comment on that. And so I think there's there's one kind of idea where really wanting to talk about who are people listening to right. when they listen to this podcast? Right. Mm-hmm. Who, who is that? As in, who are we? Who are we? That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, we know each other really, really well. Yeah. Um, but one of the fun questions that I thought um, and that we've talked about before was, what do you bring that's different mm-hmm. than, the, than the other two mm-hmm. to the space? A lot. Who wants to go? <laughs> I first. feel like we're all... Because we're very similar. We're very, very, very similar, similar. But very different also. foundational approach to therapy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe we could start with that. What do we feel like is our shared foundation? Well, and we wrote a model for, about it. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Somatic information processing. Yes. Oh, integration. Somatic yes. integration and processing. Sorry. AIP yep. got me. Yep. It's always in the back of the brain. That is true. <laughs> yes, it is, Caleb. It's almost That's like a, my training informed That's a neurobiology present. joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how would you describe the shared foundation that well, we Well, I think have? it's summarized well. So we have a model of case conceptualization called somatic integration and processing, which is what we just referenced. And that is kind of the uh, shared brainchild of BHC mm-hmm. um, that, you know, here are the things that we all kind of find ourselves doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the theoretical foundation for all of that. And so that yep. for us is summarized in three spheres. We made a Venn diagram <laughs> about it, but we have attachment and neurodevelopment mm-hmm. as one of the spheres. We have polyvagal theory as one of the spheres, which is nervous system informed mm-hmm. um, psychotherapy. And then we have adaptive information and processing, which is sort of the bedrock of EMDR. Yes. So we knew that all three of those spheres were going to give us space to talk about what's relevant in a case and how do we start working with it. Um, similarly, we all have a very keen interest in interpersonal psychotherapy, which yeah. means we are a part of the therapy mm-hmm. as the therapist, not yeah. just a person that tells someone to go through this worksheet or whatever right, or right. challenge that thought or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but to say that the therapy relationship is what is going to provide the healing, mm-hmm. to yeah. provide the therapy, to provide the safety that healing unfolds yeah. in. Mm-hmm. And the phrase that we use that kind of gets at that core concept is intersubjectivity. Yes, and, and I will talk is, more about that later. I was going to say, it is inevitable that you will hear us use that phrase, yes. so yes. I want you to feel like you have context when you hear yeah, it. I will, dis- I will define it I when guess. I mm-hmm. talk about yes. it, because I think it's one of the it. things that makes me me unique that's in true. this group that's so that's true yes so speaking of that how about you start oh i go then? first yeah. okay um so just very transparently we had a little bit of a practice to this episode because we kind of threw around some ideas before but uh that was very helpful to me because mm-hmm. i learned what does make me different because mm-hmm. i don't typically think in those terms mm-hmm. at all um but i learned one so i'm in the doctoral program uh, and my emphasis is on uh, counselor professional identity, mm-hmm. just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a professional counselor. We're all professional counselors. That's our background. Um, but really, what does it mean for us to focus on our own development? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like inside community? Yeah. And how do we really grow? Identity formation. Yeah, identity formation. Exactly. Yes. And so that, you know, is a big reason for me as an owner of BHC, um, what I continue to put into the work and have a mind towards always Mm -hmm. but then also just as somebody who is a culture uh creator like i have always identified that way um i want people to feel connected to one another and Mm -hmm. like they can share their ideas and their desires with one another and that that Mm -hmm. 
process will help create something that is utterly unique mm-hmm. in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That leads me to the other thing that I think makes me um, makes me a little different, which is my um, unwavering focus on the intersubjective space. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, if you imagine a therapist and a client sitting in a room, it's as if there's a space in between them that they, when they come together, they create. That is totally unique to the two of them because mm-hmm. there's no other, you know, Caleb, if it were you and me sitting here, there's no other Caleb Boston out there mm-hmm. and there's no other Bridger Falcon scene out there that are going to create that same mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Similarly, I have a different space with Melissa than I do with you. Yep. And the three of us together have a different intersubjective space than we would with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that is so profoundly relevant because yeah. our bodies are adjusting to this space all the time of how do you respond, mm-hmm. Caleb? How do you respond, Melissa, to what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then how does that change what I say? And here the flow starts mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And in therapy, that is so important to have an awareness of because what you're putting into that intersubjective space is what's creating the reactions so too are what you're holding back from that intersubjective space yeah yeah and making that explicit and having awareness of the ingredients that you put in the ingredients that the other person puts in and that unique third thing exactly the third thing yes Yes. um i think is you know relevant to every kind of therapy that we do yes and every client therapist dynamic But also something that we talk a lot about um, at BHC is that what is good therapy is also good living. Yes, Um, exactly. And the way that we, you know, function in relationships in every area of our life is relevant and informative to the therapeutic process. But then as a therapist, we can't help but extrapolate what works in the therapeutic setting to the rest of our life. Yeah. And neither should we try to separate those things. Mm Um, and I think the language around intersubjectivity really helps us bridge that gap yeah. and understand why that is and how it works. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you're still feeling a little shaky on the understanding, we'll, we will use it so much in context mm-hmm. so you'll be able to kind of see oh, just yeah. from accommodation and assimilation how we yeah. understand that term. And right. if you want to do a real deep dive, you can come and hang out with us for three days and do the uh, training for somatic integration and processing. Which you should do. And which... get really, really good at case yes. conceptualization. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's super fun which training. Which is the beautiful backbone of... A solid therapy. Yes. That's right. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that was a major undersell, but so true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a beautiful backbone. So important. Like, oh, like yeah. a backbone thing. holds up a being. So yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. It is Do you know how to case conceptualize? Yeah. All. That's right. Uh-huh. Yes. And carries the conduit through which, yeah, we're going to yeah. get into it. We'll but, talk about that later. Um, so yeah, those are the two things that I feel. Yeah. Um, and with that, I have so many other interests, but we're talking about what makes us kind of different than yeah. one another. Cause I think mm. that what we're not talking about is everything that we have in common, right, which, which is going so back much. to that SIP really, you know, we all understand neurodevelopment, mm. uh, attachment, attachment yeah. very well, polyvagal mm-hmm. theory very well and adaptive information processing very well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so Caleb, Caleb I, would you like to go? Yeah. I think, um, there were a couple of things that came to mind. One is, um, I would self-classify, but I don't know if you guys, because I know I I know Bridger is very into this realm as well. But um, I think I'd say I go cuckoo for cocoa puffs <laughs> anytime we start talking about neurobiology oh, man. and the flow of information. I'm comfortable through the you system. Like, identify with because I want to support you in it. Yeah. But I also am like just right it's, on your coattails yes. with it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we gladly and that's hold hands and on. walk down that's right. that together. Yeah. We're yes. equal. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, so I'd say that I, I'm what also. What does that mean to you? Sorry. So really to quick. me, um, I can go as much from 
just like the the systems language, mm. um, which is very broad. You have your lobes, you have your yeah, try yeah. and brain. I can go all that. Yeah. But I also love like when you take the deep dive and you're talking polyvagal theory into affective circuitry. Yeah, the reptilian into brain. Into the primary, brainstem. yeah, into mm-hmm. the primary, secondary, tertiary processes of the brain yeah. in a therapy session. Yes, which we will go into um, all of this, I promise you, because it's so relevant. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and those are just like a lot of buzzwords, but yeah. um, that just makes me so excited. And particularly my bend isn't in, if you're at all familiar with um, neuroscience as it currently stands in the field, um, I don't really claim behavioral or cognitive neuroscience yeah. and i'm i'm respectful affective of those works but affective neuroscience yeah come on sure pong sep uh yeah, hill yeah. those guys um are all speaking really very much yeah. to <laughs> been getting um, it for 30 plus years yeah, yeah and it just speaks so deeply to me so um that would be one of one of my bends i think another one that i'm just not thinking of is you'll probably hear me reference psychoanalytic thought oh, yeah. on occasion and that's like an interesting sort of um, side hobby for me, yeah. which is I have like a deep respect for psychoanalytic writers and yeah. thought processes. That's another one that we really share in common. Yeah. Because I was just like philosophy for me. Yeah. And the more theory yeah. driven um, works yeah. um, feel very good to me. And I think maybe that's how our reading yep. brains that say like our first conversation. Do you remember this? Oh, yes, was on I Kierkegaard. do. Kierkegaard. That's how I knew we were <laughs> yes. going to be friends for the rest of our yeah. lives. Yeah, it was a beautiful conversation around a campfire. That's <laughs> right, as Kierkegaard should be discussed yes. over. Yeah, Talk absolutely. about an intersubjective space. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this would probably be the two. I've yeah. got a ton um, other interests as well, Bridger. I don't know. Do you guys have any that you are like transposing for me or that you would put into this space well i think or... you also focus a lot on the intersubjective space yeah oh yeah um and use Very that much. as the main conduit yeah in your work no matter what modality you're doing oh you're yes. using that all the time that's how you understand people mm-hmm. yeah and really all of these things though we think that we make that makes us different they're still very similar <laughs> yes. but we're so similar yeah yeah but yeah i think it's just the thing maybe the the filter that we pass things through first yeah mm-hmm. i would definitely say so yeah. so i also think that just because of the nature of what we're doing here it's relevant that if you were familiar with the enneagram oh come on <laughs> yes why are there we it not is. About so, the buzzword. so yeah so this is a shared thing for all of us that yeah. we communicate in BHC just in general yes we communicate yeah. Yeah. in the language of the enneagram so for those of you that this is not your thing that's okay we'll just keep tune it out the next yeah. like 30 seconds yeah um, but for those of you that it is it's very relevant to know that Bridger is a two, the twoest of twos, with yes. a pretty hard wing into three. Yep. 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 Very true. Yep. And how would you identify Caleb? Oh, I'm a nine one. Oh, yep. yeah. You can tell by my uh, <laughs> um, mixed vocal tone. That That's right. Is sometimes uh, in the ventral and sometimes very close to a dorsal. That's right. So <laughs> just pop back and forth. Sweet the top parasympathetic. I, I am in that parasympathetic, mm-hmm. sympathetic like, activation. Like any good nine is. Any right. good like, nine. Am I happy yes. or am I dissociating right now? Not really sure. Yeah, maybe both. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. We'll talk about that later. Maybe yeah. Feel like a warm, cozy blanket. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm. Yeah, I'm Melissa. Melissa. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a hard three. Like hard very, three. very much. This a is three. a question that I want just. In people's experience of you, what have you been typed as? Dude, I've I've never had someone not, not say. Nine. Everyone knows I'm a three. I, I get don't hide five. It. 
You yeah. you got you're a lot a of five in you. I get fives a you lot. You do. Yeah. You get a lot yeah. of five. People yeah. think I'm a five. Every yeah. student I have at the university thinks five. you're a five. Yeah. Yeah. five. yeah. No. What's no. the synthesis of two? The passion of a two, and the interest in being good at what you're doing of the three. Of the three. Right? That you Looks through my very introversion. Yeah. Like a five. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yep. That's true. So interesting question. Yeah. Nobody yeah. has ever mistyped me as anything other than a three. I literally grew up on stage, so that <laughs> performer quality and the achiever quality is hardwired mm. into right. my body. Yep. Um, I I do have the wing of a two, but it's a pretty slight wing. <laughs> it's a slight wing. Let's I'm be just, honest. I'm just, yeah. mostly just a three. It's a respectful if nod. I'm, to yeah. The two. If I'm not impressing you the or uh, entertaining you, then I don't feel like I'm doing something right. Yes. And that's mm. just the nature so of living no, as a three. What makes you different? Besides being a three. <laughs> right. Um, so I came at all of this totally differently than you guys did. I was just kind of planning on being your run-of-the-mill therapist that did my thing. And then I got into practice and I discovered... Oh, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's hard. This isn't working the way like that this. they said it was supposed to work. Something is wrong. And because of what it means to be a three, which is we are compelled to be the best at whatever we do, for better or worse, often worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but when I was faced with the reality of clients mm. and their complexities and their stories and um, what it meant to actually try to help people heal from trauma, I hated the feeling of not having an answer. Yeah. And so in that space of personal chaos and feeling like a failure, I did what I do, which is, well, I'm gonna go figure it out. That's right. Yeah. The answer has to exist somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that began a years long investigation into what actually works somebody's got to know what they're doing out there mm. what i discovered is a lot of people don't know what they're doing and they're faking it really well oh. that's true <laughs> um so once i figured that out and then i got a little bit better at distinguishing people that seemed to have something that others did not yeah. and when i discovered emdr for the first time it was very much one of those moments this feeling of this is different yeah something's going on here that is very different than any other therapy that I've seen, personally experienced, et cetera. And so EMDR was kind of my first hook into there's a different way to practice. Mm. There's a more effectual way to practice. And we as therapists don't have to be satisfied with doing work that we were told was supposed to work, but seeing that it's not working. Mm. Um, so the idea of finding what actually works has been a passion and a de dedication for a really long time. The journey that it's taken me on is pretty diverse. EMDR mm. was my first love. My second one really closely after that was working with highly dissociative clients. So I specialize in the treatment of DID um, because I think it's a beautiful, fascinating, brilliant adaptation of humanity. Um, and I think it is grossly underdiagnosed, misunderstood. Completely misunderstood. And uh, mm -hmm. very, very untreated. And most of us as therapists kind of relegate it to these are the people that you refer away because they're too complicated. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that and mm. also think that we are um, mistreating this population because we refuse to gain competency and confidence um, mm. and think that that is somebody else's job to figure it out. And I take that very personally and say, no, it's our job because yes. dissociation is a function of the human nervous system. Get competent. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we need to take it seriously yeah. and figure out we how to work We have a trauma-informed care training. 
<laughs> if anyone's listening. This isn't going to be an endless plug for sorry, all sorry, of sorry, our sorry. other products. Just the first episode. You have to know what <laughs> yeah, we're doing. Exactly. That's true. This is part you of what's available to you. We've poured our life into yes. many things. That's right. And they're out there for your disposal <laughs> and to help true. you. And not leave you hooks out there into alone. community. Thank you, Caleb. Which is yeah. to, yeah, exactly. Get away from isolation and burnout. Okay, back to you. That's right. So if you're feeling uncomfortable with treating dissociation, please email me. Yes. And I really do mean that, actually. Um, so that was kind of my second love and personal dedication to investigating and gaining competence. Um, and out of that came a dedication to uh, ego state work, mm-hmm. which a lot of people are more familiar with internal family systems, which is a structured and um, very prescribed version of ego state work. But in my experience in using this with a DID population, what I discovered is it works really well with DID because um, people with DID are humans. Mm. And uh, ego state works really well with humans. And so (laughs) the reverse application to all clients and all presentations um, has taught me a lot about what it means to work with complex presentations of all kinds. And so um, that is a huge thing that I contribute is a constant emphasis on understanding our nervous system um, in a way that lets us uh, anthropomorphize it mm-hmm. and work with it in a really relational way that still honors neuroscience and what it means to have a mammalian nervous system. Amen. Amen. So then came my next thing, because I've been at this slightly longer than you guys, so I've had more years yeah, more to have years. lots of things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so my next thing after that was, oh yeah, we have a mammalian nervous system, which is housed in this thing called a body. Mm. Bodies are important, and uh, to reference a lovely article, Bodies Come to Therapy too. <gasps> Mm, yes, that's a great article. It is. Would you we like will to? have to put that we, one. We will. Yeah. Um, but the importance of somatic psychology and understanding how affect states and trauma reveals itself in the body and is also healed through the body mm. um, has been a big emphasis of mine as well. And personally, I've found a lot of relevance and healing in that work through yoga therapy and a lot of other things. The nine is just <laughs> nodding. So the good. Yeah. Just like, yes. You're speaking to my body. I know. <laughs> I know. You and got I, taller. I, do that. I did get taller. Yeah. I Your posture it. got better. Yes. Yeah. I do that Someone in sees me. Yes. Yeah. No, we, we uh, have, you know, you know, the empty chair method. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I know here, it. Here's a little tip bit do empty chair with the person's body there you go and have mm. a conversation with their mm. body oh mm. oh rich mm. rich sessions you guys rich sessions it was so good can't do it right now yeah yeah so <laughs> i want to my <laughs> last and final to. personal uh uniqueness or bent that uh I think the three has more than the other <laughs> two people present <laughs> yeah just because i'm older i'm like oh, a whole yeah. right, right, whole right, decade right, right. more than a decade older than you two right right so we were too self-conscious yeah that's right of how people think of us i don't want to take up too much time on this whatever it's relevant so my last and final thing is transpersonal psychology. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm just going to read you a very succinct definition of transpersonal psych because what I've discovered in people sharing... Don't know what people don't is. know what that means. So here's what it means, you talking guys. talking about drugs? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But also. But also. So uh, transpersonal psychology integrates the spiritual and transcendent aspects of what it means to be human and have a human experience within the framework of psychology and healing. So that is a super short definition, but basically transpersonal psych is looking at what does it mean to be a human in the spiritual sense, the existential sense, the um, more than the individual sense, Mm. and connecting the individual to something cosmically large, Yes, um, both in the, from the individual to the cosmos and then back again, Mm. and the way that they influence each other and the way that we are in constant interaction with every level of what it means to be human and how influential that is yeah. on our experience and what it means to heal. 
So, and that's so what I'm getting my doctorate in. Yes. Yeah. Amen. So yeah. that, I just want all of that to serve as kind of that, that is the filter through which we pass things. Yes. So mm-hmm. as we're taking this Filters. literature, yeah, exactly. As we're taking in these, these articles and we're going to kind of transition to talk about what to expect in this podcast, but the basic sense is that we're going to select one article to review together, to yes. read mm-hmm. separately, to get, you know, separately together, I guess, uh, and then come to uh, the podcast recording and reflect on it together. So all of those differences and our similarities are what we're going to be kind of coloring that mm-hmm. take of the article on. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, I cannot wait for this podcast. I'm so excited that we get to start this. Mm-hmm. One, because you guys are my best friends, but also because I think the intersubjective creation that we're about to be involved in, I think is going to be really, really special. Yes. And the articles themselves are oh, so man. exciting. Okay. Can so we just let's, share without a little further bit? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we have the first, um, the first four articles selected. selected. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd like to do in the, this last part of the podcast is kind of when the article comes up that you selected mm-hmm. to contribute, I want you to say why mm-hmm. and just give a little bit of background on that. So okay. the first one, I am happy to say is mine. <laughs> and I put the podcast together, so naturally yeah, okay. I'm going to get the first one. Yes. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> it's from Crittenden, which Patricia Crittenden is a guru, uh, one that I deeply bear homage to all of the time. So Crittenden and Heller, 2017, it's called, and this title it's so good. is why I chose it, because mm-hmm. I think it's an inaugural christening of EBT, yes. if oh, there yes. ever was one. It is the roots of chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. What? Childhood trauma, information processing, and self-protective strategies. So good. Mm. Oh, so good. So this article to me, why I chose to include it is, to me, it just is the launching pad of launching pads for us in this podcast of what we're actually after Mm -hmm. and talking about. Um, human evolution, what trips us up, yes. what traps us. And it, it, it includes all of those three main theories that we That's talked exactly about. That's exactly right. Attachment theory is in there. AIP is in there. Yep. Uh, PVT and That's affect right. states are absolutely in there. It's everything. Yes. Everything yeah. is in there. And you, yeah, you guys have both read it by this uh-huh. point. Yes. So you know. <laughs> we know. Oh, yeah. You know this We're article. We're excited. at the bit. That's right. right. Yes. All um, my post-it notes. There's so many post-it oh, notes. Oh, I cannot wait to hit them. Oh, my gosh. I chose pink this time. All right. Just for visual reference. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Caleb, you're up. Yes. The second article is from the My goat, man, Bruce, Bruce Perry. Perry. And Shout out. Entitled. Yeah, if, when he's listening to this, he will. Somebody <laughs> oh, should yes. connect yes. with it. I, Shout out. Um, also, can you give me Don't a free scholarship to your training? Series? Yeah, please. Because yeah. they're expensive. <laughs> if you're listening man. to this. But we believe they're good. They are okay. very good. Yeah. Memories of fear. How the brain stores and retrieves physiological states feelings, behaviors, and thoughts from traumatic events. Mm. Why this article, Caleb? Oh, Why not? Yeah, yeah, there is so much there. Um, to me, this article, uh, Perry has a monocle, neurosequential model of therapy, which is contextualizing. He uses it a lot with children. It's contextualizing the whole being of a child mm. in their developmental history. And yes. his whole thing is, um, about how your early life experiences and the way at which you have been mirrored states, um, you have been punished for states, you have been um, neglected of states, um, all of that affects the different systems of your brain. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, it's going to affect 
when you're in therapy, the state at which you are in in therapy will affect your ability to recall information, oh, to integrate yes. information. Yeah. So it's a very, and he's very um, neuro neurobiological. So my, the reason I chose it was because it grounds us in, and hopefully it grounds you, the listeners, in the sort of de-shaming yes. the client mm -hmm. and their symptoms. Normalizing. And the fact that it may take a long time for the client to come around to feel like they can recall the things that's really wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because their system neurosequentially is taking right and left turns. Yeah. Where developmentally that's what they were shown and given. Yes. And um, mm -hmm. so it's a total, to me, it's a de shaming article. And, and in it, the way, I think it's a reframe. It for is a, a huge lot of frame. people, especially yeah. clinicians. Yep. Well, and I love that it's de-shaming from the perspective of science and neurobiology. Yeah. Yes, it's very neurobiological. Yes. Um, he talks about memory a ton. He's got a nice section on that and state-dependent recall. And, mm -hmm. um, there's so much good there, but I'm very excited. So yes. that'll be that'll be episode number two. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, episode three. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Second article. Yes. But yeah, this yes. if this is episode, I don't know what to this do with like stuff like this. Zero. Episode zero, yes. which some people don't <laughs> listen to. I love episode zero. It's the origin story. <laughs> yeah. To me, it has Get everything to know in the it. People. Yes, this, come on. This is for the people that want that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And may this just exist in antiquity. That's I, right. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, episode four. Yeah. No. Yeah, this is me. Frazier. Uh -huh. Okay. The dissociative table technique, mm -hmm. a strategy for working with ego states and dissociative disorders and ego state therapy. Mm -hmm. 1991. Yeah. Oh, started an oldie but a goodie. That's right. Mm. Yes. Why? Yes. So Frazier's family table is what I would consider one of the most fundamental um, activities, mm. interventions, imagery exercises, and full therapeutic models mm, nice. <laughs> um, that we do with a client. And um, it used to be kind of conceptualized as we do this with people that are highly dissociative, we do this with people with DID to understand their, their parts and the way the system is put together. And what I am going to suggest is that we do this with human beings. Human beings in general. Yeah. Yes, because it is one of the most uh, robust self-care and self-awareness tools that I have discovered. Mm -hmm. And so part of why I chose this article is because it's very rich in the theory of the why, but it's also yeah. incredibly practical in that here is a specific tool. Here is a thing that you can do in yeah. session and yeah. how to do it and how to do it well, yeah. when to do it and when to do it with whom. I think um, Fraser's Table has a, a lot of strengths just in the way that it is a way of understanding what is happening as well as a way of directly working with it. Mm -hmm. So it has a beautiful theoretical underpinning as well as uh here's a lot of intervention strategies yes. that you can implement so practical yeah. yes. yes and yeah. it gets at all of the things we've already been talking mm -hmm. about so mm -hmm. um i love that fraser got included yes. in the yes. first yeah. few and episodes. i and i think that kind of the flow of that was really intentional on our part like how how did we structure this and how are these things going to build on each other we don't want it to just be this haphazard smattering of no. random articles that we think are neat no what well, although and that but, might happen yeah i think too. it needs <laughs> to be said like how hard it was and is to choose mm -hmm. articles oh, yeah. yeah i mean so many good it's ones. crazy yeah. yes <laughs> yeah yes yeah. The, yeah. the amount of information that's out there but that that is the point of the podcast we read so that you don't have to or more accurately because we know that you don't have the time and the space in that's your right. daily life to mm -hmm. um 
And so we're going to specifically choose the articles and the information that we feel like is going to support you the most in your clinical work and the clinical relevance yeah. of you know your lived experience as a therapist every yeah. day. And so while it'll be really heavy on you know the research and where the research is has been and is going and what it's saying about what it means to be an excellent excellent clinician, but also moving into the practical. How yeah. do we take this theoretical information and apply it? How does this change what we do? in session yeah. how we show up in session because theory is pretty irrelevant if we don't know how to experience and apply it in real life that's right um and so that's part of why we wanted to structure this as a very conversational and relational yes. experience because we want to be able to move into that space of what do we do with this information yes mm -hmm. what does this mean for our work for us for our clients for each other etc um, and so that's why we chose the articles the way we did. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one that we have selected already, the rest are, are to come, but is dependency in the treatment of complex post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. and dissociative disorders. Yeah, this was my pick as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is one of those hot button issues that I hear from a lot of consultees because the way that I you know, suggest and teach people how to work with complex trauma, specifically how to work with dissociation and DID, one of the questions that I get all the time is, wait a second, aren't we making the problem worse? Mm -hmm. And my answer is no, not at all. If we, if we neglect to attend to the unmet needs of a client, well, I'm about ready to go down a rabbit trail that we're gonna talk about on that episode, but the point is. <laughs> this is a, just a little a <laughs> teaser, yeah, get in there. The point is, is that we're very, very worried about instilling uh, inappropriate uh, relational patterns in our clients by increasing dependency on us. Yeah. And what the article is suggesting and, and what that exploration is, is what does it mean to conceptualize yourself as a therapist as a transitional attachment figure, which comes up in the Crittenden article yes, sure as does. well. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a theme that we're going to talk about a lot is the use it's of so ourself yeah, as Vital. a therapist, um, as With an, an attachment figure. Of all of that that entails yes. which is the presentation mm -hmm. of the client and you as a therapist yes. in your history yeah and that life. healthy healthy boundaries with a client is That's... a function of their nervous system meeting your nervous That's system right. we mm -hmm. cannot um, apply a strict set of rules and guidelines to every client and no. say this is going to be therapeutic for them no in the same way that we have to parent each child differently based on who they are as a human being Amen. we have to be adapted to the client that is sitting in front of us and what their attachment experiences are and understand how to work with that space and ourselves as a tool so that article is going to so get excited. i know it's going to get uh, at that question of what does it mean to um, use ourselves yes. as an attachment figure in a healthy way. Oh, man. It's so good. All intersubjective, all yes. AIP, all attachment neurodevelopment, yes. all PPT. It's yes. gorgeous. I yes. love it. Okay, last question. Okay. We're already over on time. Um, is what do we want listeners to get from this podcast? Oh, I have an easy answer to this. Well, then, I want <laughs> I want therapists to feel like they are cared about <laughs> and taken yeah. care of. I want I want therapists to feel like they have a source and a resource and a place where they can go and feel like there's people out there that are thinking about them yes. and thinking about and wanting to give them yeah, what like, they yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes. you know we spend all day long every day saying how are you to other people and I would like BHC and everything that we put out there to be this space that feels like us constantly asking hey therapist how are you how are you what though? do you need help with that's right you know how are you experiencing your work does it feel 
good? Are you energized? Are you inspired? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Yeah, yeah. You know, and not just give pat answers of, hey, go take a bath and get a massage. But yeah. there's there's more to self-care than that. And, you know, I want this to be a resource and a, and a space for constant inspiration. Mm. Um, and in the truest sense of what that word means, to breathe new life into your practice and to feel inspired every day in the work that you do with your clients. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just off that, I would say passion. Mm -hmm. I want people to feel passionate about they have a sense of understanding and groundedness Mm -hmm. in even the most chaotic, which chaos is necessary in the therapeutic realm. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a point and a reason for it, but I want them to feel confident in that and grounded. Um, I also want people to know that the fields multiple fields are saying very similar things yes. um, about how people come to know healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you know flourishing. truth is when yeah. multiple fields are saying the same yes. thing. Which is a really good point, Caleb, that something that I think is kind of unique to the way that we approach research is that we're very interdisciplinary. Oh, oh yeah. You None have of to us be. just read psych. No, we, you know, no, no, no. I'm deep into anthropology. Um, you guys have all kinds of philosophy, quantum physics, the order of time, yeah. molecular okay, cool. biology. Oh, so I actually yeah. started as a biologist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I have a deep history oh, of the medical sciences. Yeah. yeah. yeah I read really Darwin has. and Freud when I was I 14. It's and important that's how we stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. so important. Yeah. So that interdisciplinary approach is going to come up a lot. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think, just a real fast soapbox is that when you're taught in grad school, it's uh, counseling is such a new field. Mm. You had psychoanalysis, and then you had the career counselors who said, I'm going to make a new thing. And so mm-hmm. then we kind of ran with that. And we left psychoanalysts to do their own thing. And then we kind of kind forgot. Of yeah. They're them over there. Yeah. yeah. And so you're taught all these theories from psychoanalysis to now the solution focused. And mm-hmm. you're sort of said, Choose one. You're right. And or what is your theoretical orientation? Be and eclectic. Be eclectic. Yeah, just pick the tool yeah, that's right for what, the job. Do what you want. And, yeah. and some I think, people think eclectic is a bad word, just so you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they choose the one. <laughs> that's probably. right. Yes, exactly. And, but but I think what's important is whether you choose one or you choose many, yes. having the the research, the scientific, and the, just the theoretical backing to say there's a lot of disciplines who are supporting whether it's your one or mm-hmm. it's your eclectic. Yeah. And um, for us to provide that grounding for them to say, you know, this is what the research is saying. You can still choose, just like be mindful of whether or not it comes back to what's cutting edge right now and what's Mm -hmm. what what the field is saying helps people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. And I think for me, just all of that and more um, that there can be a lighthouse on the horizon Mm. for therapists that they can look to something and know that, uh, and this is just BHC in general, that we are here uh, to, to help you find mm-hmm. groundedness and to find community and to find people that are caring about the same things you're caring about yeah. and that are talking about the same things you're talking about. That to me was what, it was a drop of water on my desertous tongue mm-hmm. <laughs> in graduate school when I thought no one cared about the things that I cared about. Uh, I met Caleb. Mm. Yes. And then I met Melissa. And then we... I hired you both. <laughs> yes. By, yes. Yes. Yeah. By the university, like the sovereign universe, whatever yes. you believe in. Um, we all started to work together. Yeah. And that is beautiful. It is. 
So I want everybody to have that experience and that Agreed. connection point mm-hmm. and that invitation because it's haven. there. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're welcome to come and think collaboratively and deeply and challenge one another, not out of ego, but out of a desire for truth yeah. and discovery, meaning yeah. and healing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, welcome to the evidence-based therapist. We're glad you're here. <laughs>